When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to The Tent. It's uh, Scott Fellman here again from Tenant Aquatics. Uh, time for me to uh, stimulate your mind a little bit and perhaps piss a few people off, which is what we do best here. I love nothing more than being a little bit of a provocateur into the, uh, the world of aquarium keeping. I sometimes figure that when I say some of the things I do, it's going to rub people the wrong way. And, and that's okay. People are entrenched in their opinions in the hobby and we have opinions about why things should be a certain way and how they are. But I'm going to make an appeal today. I'm going to try to be as diplomatic as I can about something. And maybe some of you will get this. Maybe some of you won't. But let's see. Um, Imagine, if you will, managing your aquarium without having at least some expectations about what will happen as it establishes itself and evolves. You can't really, right? I mean, as aquarists, we learn to expect the unexpected. But we also have a very predictable set of expectations based on decades of experiences from those who came before us. It's part of our culture, our tribe. I've always liked the idea of building a little ecosystem or microcosm from the ground up. I found this appealing as a kid with my first aquarium, and to this day it guides my aquarium builds, whether they're reefs, freshwater, brackish, or whatever. In fact, it was profound in my reef aquarium days of building these little microcosms. I read a lot of the writings of people that I've come to know personally, like Julian Sprung, uh, who's a brilliant uh, reef hobbyist and industry person, uh, Bob Fenner, uh, John Tulloch, who many of you know from Freshwater as well, um, that have written some amazing books and articles on this idea of the reef aquarium or the aquarium in general as a little microcosm. It's the idea that even in a little glass or acrylic box of water, we're building a small ecosystem. Now, this conceptual framework has guided virtually every aspect of my aquarium work, or my tradecraft, if you will, for decades, as it has many of yours. And I think we just keep need to keep pushing this idea on and on and on and really getting everybody to think about this. And taking it further, I suggest that we apply this mindset to our aquascaping. Now, here's where I'll get, probably get a little pushback from people, but think about this. Every piece of wood, substrate material, leaf or botanical, it's part of a functioning biological system. And although we might more easily appreciate the appearance of the tank, the function of the items within it, and indeed the overall system, is vitally important. In fact, it's probably the most important aspect of the aquarium. It is to the fish. The best-looking aquarium that is not biologically friendly to the life that resides in it will never achieve good results, right? Regardless of how nice a sexy piece of wood or stone or whatever you use or what trendy uh, technique... And yeah, the aesthetic and design component is important too. Don't get me wrong. It's really important. And we love the way our aquariums look. That's part of the joy of what aquariums bring to us. I'm not going to argue with you on that. But it is amazing how the aesthetic part just sort of comes together when you think about the function of the ecosystem that you're creating in your aquarium. I mean, so much has been written about finding the perfect piece of wood, the right rock, the plant, and so much attention has been paid to the art component of the equation by the brilliant world-class aquascapers out there attempting to, quote, replicate nature, unquote, in some sort of formula. And that's okay. I, I get it. Everybody has their way of enjoying the hobby, and I'm certainly not going to be critical of you. 
for that. Well, I might be, but that's me. But I just often wish when I see these beautiful Instagram posts of aquariums that just seem to follow some kind of artistic formula and they're called natural, it just it just makes me think. You know, I spend so much time looking at natural aquatic systems that I just wonder where there's the disconnect there, why we are so big at editing nature and distilling things. I just think that if the same amount of incredible talent that's out there and energy that's out there could be applied to creating a few more holistic aquariums, aquariums that are designed to produce long-term, functionally aesthetic um, creations, things that look and function more like nature, I just can't help but wonder if even more incredible yet more functional aquascapes and aquatic habitats can be created by simply looking more closely at nature as it is and by the way life colonizes physical structures, indeed how it creates them, like in reefs, for example, in attempting to develop an aquascape literally from the ground up, so to speak. Yeah, literally building an aquascape, starting with a substrate designed not only to look interesting, but to foster beneficial microfauna and to serve as a microhabitat for them and to create niche habitats for the fishes as well. We've seen some of this to some extent within the planted aquarium or so-called nature aquarium community where perhaps some systems were developed to foster beneficial bacteria. That's a great start and, and it's right on. Uh, and, and I credit Takashi Amano for putting that in people's heads and that, that's a brilliant. Um, to some extent, planted aquariums do this already with these substrate additives. You know, they're designed for aquatic plants and they're adding layers of specific nutrient-laden materials. I love this idea. And I think it should be carried further, taking in, into account the needs of the crustaceans, the worms, and the, the fishes uh, that live in a tank, a sort of different type of active substrate, if you will. The implication for aquascapers is that we'll, we have the ability to create a more realistic representation of nature as it is. Again, nature as it is. And to understand how life arises around the physical structures and accumulations of these materials to create to a certain extent, uh, a more natural representation of what nature has been doing for eons. And to a certain extent, an approach like this allows the aquarium to sort of dictate, if you will, how the aquascape will look and evolve, just like in nature. Now, perhaps that's why this has fallen a little bit, well, I don't want to say even out of favor. I don't know if it was ever in favor, but perhaps why that has evaded uh, being popularly adapted in the aquarium world, or at least in the aquascaping world. Without sounding mean, I think that a lot of us, a lot of good aquascapers, it scares the shit out of them to think that you're going to set something up and allow nature to sort of dictate things. I mean, you put all this effort into creating something beautiful and then just letting nature kind of have its way. Um, that's concerning to a lot of people. A lot of people like the control of an artistically um, developed and conceived and, and uh, maintained aquarium. I get that. But I can't help but wonder if we just loosen up a little bit and apply this stuff, what kind of beautiful, beautiful results and really natural results we could achieve. I think that's what Amano was pushing. I really do. And I think it's somehow, as I've mentioned before, I think this somehow got lost in embracing the art part of the, of the Amano equation. You could take it further and you can manipulate things like water flow patterns and such to allow botanical materials or plants to accumulate in certain areas or allow, you know, stands of certain plants to grow in specific locations within the aquarium. This is exactly what happens in nature. Thinking about why these things occur, where they do and how they do in nature is a huge unlock for us. Understanding or at least observing how physical barriers like wood and rocks are oriented by water currents, local geology and even weather 
uh, and also how they impact the movement of the water in a given area. This can help you create some really interesting scapes that function differently too. Now, again, Takashi Yamano himself wrote about this. If you look at his old writings, he wasn't just talking about arranging the, yes, he was looking at an artistic way of looking at things, but he wasn't just talking about arranging things in a purely artistic format. He was looking at the way, uh, and I've seen these photos he has in the, of the Amazon, where he's looking at the way branches and tree trunks and rocks when they were found oriented themselves based on what happened, the flow of the water, the slope of the terrain, etc. I think we've seized upon this artistic component and just have stopped looking at the why. And I think we'd just love to get us thinking along those lines. Rather than relying on inspiration from someone else's work as to why the, the driftwood is oriented a certain way, you know, you could embrace a certain degree of rebelliousness, if you will, and let the water flow of your aquarium dictate the placement and orientation of the wooden rocks. And even the distribution and the depth and the composition of the substrate, you can mix it up. It doesn't have to be perfectly level. It, Mono, again, talked about sloping. You've seen a lot of nature, so-called nature aquariums. There's a slope, but what if it's uneven? You know, nature is not perfectly flat. Of course, you can just look at any natural body of water, like a stream or a creek or a river, and, and see exactly how nature does a so-called layout and be assured of something that'll work because it's worked for millions of years. I mean, many people already do, but based on the number of, you know, fantasy forest diorama scapes I see still in contests, I still saw them in the latest aquascaping, you know, global contest, and they're still rewarded. There's still, we're still rewarding people gluing, you know, bits and pieces of, of bonsai wood together and batting moss on top to represent a forest. I don't understand that. I just, it's art, I get it, and everybody has their own interpretation, but God, if you put the same level of intensity to developing an aquarium based on nature as it really looks, I just can't help but think how many people would be moved even more. Lately, it's been all the rage among, you know, the, the competitive aquascapers to, what do they call it, break the water line with wood, where the wood projects out from the aquarium. It's cool. I like that. I've always liked that. I think it's neat. I've done it myself. I still do it. Yet I have to admit, albeit a bit sheepishly, that after seeing oh, several hundred pictures of tanks with driftwood heading out of the water and Again, having done some myself, I've seen this all over Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat and so forth. I can't help but think that it's becoming kind of a formula. You know, assemble a group of rare aquascaping rocks, insert manzanita branches in vertical orientation with respect to golden ratio and break water line, assign crazy, crazy creative title, done. Yawn. <laughs> I mean, what about approaching this from the standpoint of how and why this would happen in nature? Why the hell a rock or uh, a piece of wood or a branch would project out of the water. I mean, ask yourself, under what circumstances would a piece of wood break the water line? Well, if you study streams and other bodies of water, the reasons are relatively few, but they're readily apparent. Like, one of the few scenarios is, is going to probably play out, one of just a few. Number one, a big branch falls into shallow water with part of it sticking up out of the water. Number two, a falling branch, a limb, a trunk, or even an entire tree is covered by water when the seasonal inundation or flood submerge the forest floor or the, the dried river that, that it fell into. Number three, a tree or shrub growing along an actively flowing river or stream becomes partially submerged by a large seasonal influx of rain or a tidal increase in water. It's the same for rocks and for the distribution of substrate materials like botanicals and leaves and twigs and branches. Again, if we ask ourselves how and why these materials accumulate the way they do in nature, the answers create many, many, many interesting and inspiring situations for aquascaping. Far more inspiring than looking at somebody's Middle Earth aquascape and trying to replicate that. Far more inspiring than mimicking an underwater beach scene 
I mean, the implications are profound for our fishes. Making the study of natural structures and aquatic habitats part of our inspiration lookbook or our, you know, trade craft has, in my opinion, always yielded more interesting long-term functional aquariums that also happen to look awesome. Again, look, I'm not trying to rain on anyone's parade and state that every tank with wood sticking out sucks crap. I can see the hate mail coming already from certain corners. I, I get it once in a while. and It's kind of funny. I suppose to some, it seems like every time I approach the subject, it becomes a critique on the art of aquascaping. I suppose that to some extent it is because even though the so-called aquascaping elite needs a kick in the ass now and again, and it might as well be from me, the outsider. I hear from many in the so-called natural camp that we're part of, uh, who, you know, who tell me about getting soundly thrashed by so-called serious aquascapers. And I get a bit perturbed, I guess. I, it's a very unkind attack that, that I faced, oh, many times. I mean, I faced one not long ago um, that sort of inspired me to do this little rant. Um, you know, someone talk, calling our technique sloppy or undisciplined, and I just, I just have to laugh. I mean, you're, you, you embrace the term nature, yet you're calling what we do, which is to mimic nature as it is, sloppy and undisciplined, yet you're creating something that's entirely artificial and absolutely unlike nature anywhere on the planet, or at least on planet Earth. So, I mean, look, have your fun the way you want to, but don't knock the work of those who are pursuing a different path. We all love aquariums. It's the same thing. I'm kicking your ass only because you're kicking our ass. How's that? <laughs> and actually, I'm kicking your ass because it's for the greater good that we look at other options besides just what has been proffered in every single contest and virtually every Instagram and you know Facebook post on aquascaping all over the world for decades now. I said this before and I'll say it again. I think Amano would be absolutely freaked out if he really saw what's happened. He'd love the talent. He'd love the dedication. He'd love the discipline. He'd love the art. But he'd also say, guys, what about the, the, the hundreds of early photos and, and essays I published that show nature as it is and how we can interpret this in our aquarium? What about his early works that were old logs covered in you know moss and so forth? Have we strayed off the path a little bit and presented this to the world as what an aquascape really is? It could be argued till the cows come home. There's much more accomplished and serious people that will probably vehemently argue what I'm saying, but I think it's worth discussing. It's worth once in a while ripping off the band-aid, looking in the mirror and saying, yeah, maybe we're doing it a little bit differently. Granted, I think more people are going to look at one of those beautiful high concept tanks and say, that's amazing before they'll ever look at one of my or our tinted murky tanks filled with decomposing botanicals and biofilms and say, yeah, that's awesome. But I got to tell you, a few of the tanks I've seen lately, a few of the tanks I've actually pulled off lately, have gotten some pretty good comments from large swaths of the aquascaping world saying, dude, that looks really cool because it talks to people when they actually see something that represents unfiltered nature. It's important. I've said it before. I've said it again. And so part of our mission statement at Tanning, you'll see it over and over again. We operate at the delta of the intersection of science and art. Think about that. That's what we do. That's, that's what I believe the hobby needs to at least make an effort to look at that intersection between science and art, not just the art, not just the science. There's a happy medium that can embrace this, teach people from all over the world, from different levels of hobby experience, all kinds of different things. I mean, again, I'm just saying that in addition to purely artistic interpretations, which are absolutely gorgeous for most part, even the ridiculous moss tree forests and stuff like that, even more amazing, more functionally aesthetic and realistic aquariums can be created by simply looking at what caused these scenes to form in nature and assembling the components based on that. 
Now, pretty much every time I've seen a world-class aquascaper, and I've seen and I'm fortunate to know a few of these people, every time I've seen them try to take the approach of replicating something from an aquatic environment in nature as opposed to looking at a mountain or some other non-aquatic part of the landscape and in, you know, or last year's contest winner or whatever, and when they utilize that as the inspiration for their scape, the result has been astounding. The skill level is absolutely there. It just takes a willingness to open our minds a little bit and embrace a few different things. The talent is there. It's just really cool when the attitude isn't. And I admit, maybe I have a little bit of an attitude, but hey, it's my podcast and you could certainly check out if you think I'm a jerk or let me know in the comments. I'm happy to to discuss that with you and even debate that with you because I don't think it's debatable. I think we're on the same page. We, as a hobby, have to get out of the comfort zone of creating perfectly artistic, manicured interpretations of stylized natural settings or you know, things that are just, we've polished nature to, to out of. Most so-called natural aquascapes are essentially to real aquatic habitats what concept cars are to your family sedan. They're hot looking, they're idealized representations with some features from nature, but not really accurate portrayals of nature as it is. Again, I love these types of tanks. I admire them and I admire my friends who have the talent to create them. And yes, we can't forget, nature is a random chaotic and often dirty place stuff happens in nature for a reason and that makes it every bit as compelling as a highly stylized conceptual scape in my opinion and there's actually a more important reason to portray nature as it really appears because that's the environment or habitat in which our fishes have evolved and with more and more of these incalculably priceless natural habitats disappearing every year because of man's impact on environment just think of the fires down in the amazon right now Now more than ever, it's important to create some more realistic replications of these habitats. It'll help us understand them, appreciate them, and preserve them. And as has been proven throughout history, mankind protects what he or she admires. It might might be a very few short years before the only real interpretations of natural environments exist in aquariums, or at least some of them. It's, It's entirely possible. In my opinion, last year's world champion fantasy forest aquascape, beautiful as it might be, might inspire a few people, but it will never, ever have the impact and the lasting educational value, an important educational value of an aquarium which attempts to replicate the form and function of a truly natural setting as it looks, as it functions. We can't duplicate every single aspect of nature in our aquarium. I get it. We can do a lot though. and We can do a lot more when we try. Meet nature where it is. Accept it and be inspired by it. Execute an aquarium every now and then that follows nature's formula, not ours. That should be part of everyone's tradecraft in this hobby. So to all of you great ones out there, please keep doing what you're doing, pushing and inspiring the world and creating those artistic scapes. But please, please, please keep an open mind, a kind heart, and push in a few different directions now and then. Not just trying a different rock or a different arrangement of Iwagumi. Try something that's out of your comfort zone entirely. Let go a little bit. Study why nature is the way it is. Push out those. Push out the envelope. Go to the bleeding edge. You might just change the world. At the very least, you might just change the aquarium world. So to all of you out there that are maybe laughing at this and saying Scott's too wound up or whatever, I get it. But maybe to one or two of you, if I just reach one or two of you guys out there, and girls, excuse me, out there and get you to think a little bit differently, then I've had a profound impact and this was all worth my ranting for 15 minutes or so. Stay bold, stay active, stay humble even, stay empathetic, stay curious, 
stay inspirational, and always stay wet. Till next time, this is Scott Fellman. Thanks a lot for listening to me. I appreciate uh, the many kind words we get, and I appreciate the criticism too. It's important to have that discourse. And I important I implore those of us on different sides of this argument, if there is such a thing, to look at ourselves critically. I look at myself critically, and I sometimes think I take it too seriously, um, you know, what I do. And it's important now and again to look at that and laugh. Uh, and uh, I do when I look at my scapes and I realize I can't replicate what you guys do. Uh, I think you could replicate what we do. I'd love to see it. Um, we're all on the same page. So thanks again. Enjoy your day. Enjoy what you do. And we'll catch you next time on the next episode or next installment of The Tin. It is sounding like a little bit of an episode, isn't it? With my dramatic uh, stuff. But look forward to that. Oh, one more thing before I let you go. We're going to start having more guests on this show. Um, we've lined up some really cool guests, uh, over the next coming months and we'll sneak those in and it'll be more like, almost like a talk show format. Uh, some really, really big, well-known people, some people maybe you aren't familiar with, some people from different sides of the hobby, some people that are reef aquarium people, some people that are freshwater masters, fish breeders, um, super hobbyists, um, casual guys and girls, uh, just all sorts of people. We're going to have really interesting conversations. I think that will be worth listening to and, and, and perhaps even more interesting just hearing me blabble on about these topics. It'll be fun to see, uh, to hear some conversations with some cool people. So look forward to that. Look forward to hearing from you uh, more suggestions of, to make this even better and better. And thanks again. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. Bye-bye.